Welcome to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We hope to encourage you with sermons, stories, and interviews that will challenge you to grow in your faith. Enjoy. We are still in the series of Romans, 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 Romans. The Roman road, it is a rumble. It is difficult. It's heavy duty. If you're not awake this morning, it's going to be not helpful for the subject I'm delivering. Oftentimes, when a person gets up and does a talk, whether it's in corporate, whether it's in the church, or even if it's, I don't know, a father telling everybody how it's going to be in the house, whatever. Oftentimes, you want to give an airtight talk so everything's clear, and then it can be universally applied everywhere that person then takes it. That's not this morning. I want it to be airtight. It's not airtight. What we're going to do next is we're going to read 12 verses out of Romans chapter 14. I want to encourage you to get your phone out, the Word of God, whatever you can find it. It won't be on the screen. You can just listen to the words. 90% of us, after I get done reading, we're going to go, what does this mean? About 90% of us. The hope is that the number goes down just a little bit as we leave. Okay? We're going from 90 to maybe 89. We'll go for that. That's a win. Would you listen to the words from the word? Romans chapter 14, 1 through 12. Check it out. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than all the others, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again. That he might be Lord both to the dead, and, Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you despise or look down upon? Why do you look down upon? Why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, "As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God." So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. What did we just read? When I was a kid, I saw things in, a lot of things in black and white. I'm not an artist. Anybody enjoy art? When it comes to, um, I guess there's a whole bunch of different arts. I'm talking about like actual colors, paints. I just recently learned this past month that there are color families. Did you know this? There are, 
I didn't know that there were actually families where they were married in. Now, when I mean married in, colors actually have, um, I don't know, they complement each other. Like certain things, like for instance, if you have uh, sunshine orange, now, I know, right, it's very specific, sunshine orange, and you want to two-tone it with something else, you would go, ooh, how about a nice cream? But supposedly cream is in the brown family. Now, this is secondhand information. I don't know what I'm talking about. But they say, oh, no, but if you add, like, a jasmine yellow. Did I say jasmine yellow? Yes, I did. If you add a jasmine yellow, it'll make that orange, sorry, sunshine orange just pop. Okay, why? I don't know. It, Colors, I, you know, there were um, like eight crowns. Did you call them crowns, Crayolas? Okay, right, crayon, crayon? Some people are just weird. I call them crowns, Southern Illinois. I had eight of them in my box, okay? Some of you have multiple, you understand colors so well. When I was a kid, I saw a lot of things as black and white, meaning right and wrong. There's, there's just, there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. There's things to do, there's things not to do. That's just how, how it is. As I'm getting older, I'm learning that there's a lot more gray than I ever knew before. Paul sets out two different brothers. He says there's the weak brother, and he says there's the strong brother. And he says this, do not, if you're the weak brother, pass judgment on the stronger brother. And if you are the stronger brother, don't you dare look down upon the weaker brother. So he gives examples. He gives examples. Because we're talking about a matter of opinion now. There are things in life that are non-negotiables. Do you have non-negotiables? Some things that this is how it is. It's non-negotiable. I don't care how much money. It's a non-negotiable. When it comes to being a Christian... There are non-negotiables, but I'm here to tell you there are very, very few of them. There are very few non-negotiables. Oftentimes, the non-negotiables are attached to Jesus as Savior. Oftentimes, the gray area is attached to Jesus as Lord. So most everything that I say up here from here on out until communion, because the sermon is going to end abruptly, and then we'll have communion, I'm not talking Jesus as Savior. I'm talking Jesus as Lord. One and the same, but different. Are you with me? Okay, I hope, I hope you are. Jesus as Lord is Jesus as Lord over everything. Over the black, white, and all the gray in between. Everything that I see as the non-negotiables, Jesus comes into my life and he shakes those up. And sometimes he shakes them up when I look at other people. So he uses this idea of a weaker brother and a stronger brother. And he says it's a matter of opinions. Don't get into quarrels about opinions. You know what the easiest thing in life to do is? Get into quarrels about opinions. What do you see? Well, I don't see that. What do you see? What do you see? It, it, it's really, so these non-negotiables. Let me give you an example of a non-negotiable as a Christian I can confidently say this because it's not from me, it's from the master. The master says, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Non-negotiable. If a Christian says, no one gets to the Father except through Jesus, 
That is a true statement. Why? Because the master said it. You're the Christian, the little Christ, following what the Christ said. But there are some gray areas, and the gray areas are what Christians need to be careful and never make blanket statements about what Christians do and what Christians don't do. R.C. Sproul, uh, he, he, he gave a sermon about this, and I listened to it. And one story from that sermon, I'll butcher it and I'll give it to you, okay? So here's me butchering it. He said that he went um, to a restaurant, went to a restaurant with some people, and as they're sitting down, the waitress comes over, and the waitress says something to the effect of, can I get you, can, can I get you, can I get you guys started with drinks? Remember that? Can I get you started with drinks? And without skipping a beat, one of the people that he was with, this lady speaks up and says, oh, no, 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 we don't drink, we're Christians, he said, in that moment, I never wanted to order a fifth of scum, whatever, you know, like a hard liquor drink more than ever because I felt so embarrassed. As Christians, as Christians, it's very dangerous if you make blanket statements like, we don't X, Y, Z. Why? And the reason is because we're Christians. You know what I've learned in life? There's a lot of gray area. And the gray area has to do the gray area has to do between you and your maker, which some of us would use as an excuse, like, don't judge me. That's not the point of the message. The point of the message is, mm, yes, for the weaker brother to look at the stronger brother and say, and, and have judgment, yes, the, don't, obviously don't do that. That's what he's saying. But realize there's going to be one greater than that person judging you. That's the, so we're, we're, raised, we're raising the bar. Okay, so let's talk about um, this gray area and give some examples. Paul says there are substances. He's like, there's foods. He says, some of you don't eat, you only eat meat or you don't eat meat and you only eat vegetables. And the reason why you only eat vegetables is because you want to give thanks and honor to your God. So if you are a weaker brother and you say, I just, I, I'm gonna stay away from X, Y, Z. And the reasons are because I wanna honor my God and I wanna thank him for what he's done for me and the blessings he gives then yes, and the stronger brother who says, I'm going to eat whatever the, I want, then don't, don't look at the other person. And also, if you're doing that and you're going to eat whatever you want, he says, if you're doing it to honor your God and you're doing it to give thanks to your God, then both are thumbs up. The problem is, oftentimes, when you throw a human involved you create problems, and the problems are, it's when we look at each other and we go, mm, you're not doing it the way we've always done it. Or you're looking at this person over there and you're saying, why aren't you participating in how we've always done it? A guy by the name of Larry, when Larry was a kid, he lived on a farm, still does. Larry around 4.30 in the morning, would get up, he'd put on his work clothes. He'd get up, he'd put on his work clothes, and then he would uh, slip on his hat, he'd make his, his way out to the barn, and around 5 o'clock in the morning, he'd start milking old Bessie. On a Sunday morning, he'd do the same thing. He'd get up, put on his farm clothes, put on his hat, and he'd go out to the barn about 5 o'clock, and he'd start milking old Bessie. But then, on Sunday mornings, when he was done milking, he'd go inside, and he would take off his farm clothes. And you know what he'd put on? He'd put on his Sunday best. 
Larry would put on his Sunday best. And what Larry believed was his Sunday best was whatever the best you've got to offer. And so Larry had a pair of slacks. And so do you think that he kept his work clothes on? Oh, no. He took those off and he put on his best trousers. And so as he put on his trousers, he would then make his way to church with his family. Why? Because he believed to honor God and thank God, this is what we do. There's importance about coming together, and there is. But do you think that Larry was wearing a hat at church? Oh, no. Why? Because Larry believed to honor my God and to thank my God in my culture, this is what I do. So then, Larry, after church, he would go home. You know what he did? He sat around the the, the supper table and he ate a meal that his mom made. And then, after that, around 4.30, 5 o'clock, you know what he did? He took off his Sunday best put on his work clothes, and he put on his hat, and he went out to the barn, and he started milking old Bessie. Larry, in everything that he was doing, he was trying, through his work ethic, through how he sang, how he dressed, all of that, in his culture, how it was set up, he was legitimately trying to honor his God and thank his God. Okay? Now, If you then take Larry's life and how he conducted himself fully and you put all the same elements where you go, you would find some clashing. And the reason is, is because not every culture is the same. You understand? Not every situation is the same. Now, are some of the standards good to live by? Give God your best? Sure it is. Yes, yes, yes. But how you go about that is the gray. And from what I'm learning as I get older, there are less things, there are less things in the black and white. There are less non-negotiables. But I've also learned this. The less non-negotiables I have, the more concrete they are. Someone once said, if I'm 20 years old, you can give me some new information, I'll change my mind. 21, 22, yeah, 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 yeah. 23, 24, sure. When I turn about 25, he said, that's when you have to give me actually some different information. You have to start really convincing me. So when you approach 30, 31, maybe even further after that, you probably learn it takes a lot more persuasion to get you to move off of a subject. Have you found that to be true? Okay, okay. When it comes to the non-negotiables, as a Christian, we, we really ought to be more strong, like more founded in why we believe what we believe when it comes to Jesus as Savior. But when it comes to Jesus as Lord, with this scripture in mind, we see that there's way more gray. Let me put it another way. There's way more freedom than we ever thought. And I'm not the one who sets the order of the house, even though I'm a Christian. So I better be very careful not to make blanket statements. Now, some of you are like my friend. Eight days ago, I had a conversation with a friend named Zach. Zach has a couple kids now, and he's saying, man, I'm learning that I condition my kids. I'm glad you're learning that, because I could see it. He said, I just, I wonder, I start questioning, why do we go on Sunday mornings for a one-hour service to what we call church? He said, for some reason, I'm, I'm peeling back the reasons why we do what we do. My father said it this way. He said, and he said that it was the most, I don't know, he, he found it to be, I don't know, maybe one of the greatest blessings in life. 
He said, you get to create your own human. When you have a kid, you get to create your own human. He's, he's talking way more than the sex part. He's talking about you get to set up an order of how that person most likely is going to turn out. And so if you talk on the side of your mouth, odds are your kid's going to watch you and mirror exactly you talking out the side of your mouth. Like You train up that child. It's, my friend says, I'm conditioning my kids. And he's starting to question, Am I, what I'm doing, is it the best? Now, when we're young and we see things as right and wrong, it's really easy to live. Except for there's people every now and then that come into our life and they have a lifestyle, even though they claim to be a Christian, that is contrary to how we've set things up, and we automatically go, you're doing it wrong. For example, when I was a kid, I mean, I was probably like eight, nine years old. I don't know, I was at the neighbor's house for whatever reason. Somebody opened the fridge door, because you don't open another man's fridge door. You know that, right? Someone else must have opened it, and I got a sneak peek of what was in there. What was in there? Like a 12-pack Budweiser. I don't know what... It was like Budweiser or something. And you know what I thought? Um, they're going to hell. But I probably said H-E double hockey sticks because you don't say hell, otherwise you're going to hell. You understand what I'm saying? My parents never told me, if you have a beer, you're going to hell. For some reason, when I was a kid, I equated that substance with hell? Are, are, are you with me? Paul says this. He says, some of, you, some of you look at certain things to eat, to not eat, and you see them as, if I do this, if I don't do this, then I'm sinning. And the reality is, if you set it up between your master and you, that's, that's what he's saying in the scriptures. If you set it up to where, God, I want to honor you by staying away from this, because I know in my past history, X, Y, Z, I know in my family, da, 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 or I have friends that have a hard time with, and so God, to make everything, I, I just, I, I want to, to live, uh, and you know, I want to live above reproach, so God, to honor you and thank God, listen to me. If you then make a statement like that to God, and then you don't abide by that statement. You know what that is? That is sin. Why? Because the old scripture says it's better to not make a vow than to make one to God and then to break it. Between you and your master, that's where a lot of the lordship comes. Between you and your master, that's where a lot of the gray area lies. And it's your responsibility and how you conduct yourself. The scripture continues, doesn't it? Everyone, everyone should do what they have already made up in their mind to do. You should be fully convinced in your do's and don'ts, in the gray areas. But you should not say about another master's servant, mm, how dare you do that? Or, mm, you weakling, you. Don't you see the opportunities we have? And the reason is, is because <clears throat> we do this in the physical life. We, we do this in the physical life. There are movies that I will watch that I won't watch with my nephew who's nine years old. And somebody might say, um, if you can't watch it with your nine-year-old, then you shouldn't watch it at all, right? 
I mean, Braveheart, really? Braveheart. No, no, there's, there's certain things, there's certain things in life that, as a Christian, we make these blanket statements of everybody ought to live this way, everybody ought to act this way. But really all that is is thinking small. Okay, let me give another story. Uh, Joyce's Cafe. Have I told you about Joyce's Cafe? This small little town of 150. It's where all the elders of the community go. Basically, you're an elder if you're 65 and retired. And as you go into Joyce's Cafe, it's like a one-room schoolhouse, just small, tiny, and the pitch of the floor there's, there's definitely a tilt, and so if it was raining inside, you know where the water's going. I mean, like, you walk, and it's just wavy. But you go into Joyce's Cafe, and what you'll find is old men sitting at two tables um, having breakfast. And bref- breakfast consists of coffee and sometimes Splenda, okay? That's, that's breakfast. And I would go there every morning, and I would sit with these old geezers, and I would let them chew the fat, and I would just soak it in, because that's what you do. So as I'm soaking it in, every now and then, there would be this one guy who would show up. In fact, actually, it was more than every now and then. He was pretty consistent. His name was Cecil. Cecil Cecil would come in, and he would hardly say anything, which is then the guy that you want to talk because you're like, he's got something. Once in a while, the, the tables would be so filled that there was actually a third table that you would join. Now, you wanted to be a part of these two tables, but every now and then, you had to submit to the third table. So once in a while, I'd be sitting there with Cecil, and it would be just he and I. And Cecil and I had a common interest, and it was bird dogs. He liked Britneys specifically, but whatever the case, he loved training bird dogs and shooting quail. Cecil was up in his years, but prior to that, Cecil was a farmer. And so he would start to tell me about how he was an upcoming farmer back in his youth. And he said, he said this, his farm was growing to the point where as he was up and coming, there were guys who were out and going. And the guys out and going would come up to him and say, Cecil, I want you to farm my ground. Now, if you know anything about farming, or if you don't, let me explain a little bit. There's, there's a system to where you still own the ground, but if you can't farm it yourself, someone else can come in and farm it. You receive a check from them because you, they're renting the ground off of you, and then they receive the harvest benefits. You understand? It's like cash rent or something. Okay. And so that's the deal that he made with however many of these guys. One day, this farmer came up to him, and he said, Cecil, I need you. I need you to farm my ground. And Cecil thought about it. He looked at it. He, he crunched the numbers, and he said, okay. So Cecil's telling me that... His next steps were this. He said, I knew that that man was a religious man. Now, what you need to know about Cecil is he could care less about your Jesus, okay? Probably more so he could care less about what you say about your Jesus. But regardless, I'm, I believe the man does believe that there's a God, but other than that, he's not interested. But the next part of the story really shows me his character. Cecil said this, the man who asked him to farm his land was a Christian man. And so that Christian man in that culture believed that you don't work on Sundays. You heard that before? In that culture, he believed you don't work on Sundays. Cecil, he'll work seven days a week. He'll work eight days a week. It doesn't matter. He's going to farm. But I kid you not, this man's next words were, because my neighbor, this other farm, because my neighbor, because he doesn't, didn't work on Sundays, then I wouldn't put a plow in his field on Sundays. 
I shut the tractor down. Part of me is going, why would you do that? Another part of me is going, he's not even a Christian, but he gets the scripture better than most of us. He says, I know that it's not wrong for me to farm ground on Sunday. I know it's not. But because my brother, because my neighbor, deems it as this day is important, and I want to honor my God, and I want to thank my God for what he's given me and how he's blessed me by not working on that day, then Cecil over here looks at that and he says, I'll respect that. And he doesn't work that man's land. Are are, are you seeing this? A non-Christian gets it. So what, what does all this mean? What this means is how you and I conduct ourselves in the gray areas, in the, in the gray. I'm not talking about the non-negotiables. I'm just talking about the gray. It's very important. It's very important that we don't let our view of what our freedom is, okay? And this is someone else's sermon. But we don't let it, we don't let our want then supersede someone else's struggle. You understand what I'm saying? And I believe in our culture, this actually is going up. Um, I was just at a party last week for a 70-year-old birthday. And there was um, drinks and all this. And then the next day, some of the guys, we got together again. And somebody said, oh, yeah, so-and-so, he's been having a hard time in his past, and he's trying to quit. And that man said, I wish I would have known that. Otherwise, I never would have bought it in the first place. Do you understand? We've, we've bec- we have become more sensitive because we realize, we realize how much, and I'm not just talking about alcohol, I'm talking about the whole gamut, the whole gamut. If what I do, even though I have all this liberty to live freedom in Christ because he's the Lord over the living and the dead, why? Not because he died, but because he conquered the grave. Jesus is Lord, he's the master, he dictates. The Sabbath was made for man, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. You understand that? Jesus says, through Paul, If you have a weaker brother and he set up these parameters to keep him focused on me, then don't look at him as something small because he's doing it for me. And if you are weak in your thinking and you've put up such strong parameters that when you see somebody else and they're able to live in freedom, and for some reason we throw out this word, responsibly, let me put that away and say, and they live in the freedom and they honor their God and they think they're God, then don't, don't, throw, don't pass judgment on them. And the reason is, is because it's a waste of time. Too often, too often, we look at each other and we spend so much time questioning what other people's motives are. And Paul throws this out there and says, it's a waste of time. Why is it a waste of time? Because you're not the judge. You are not the judge. Now, some of you, please don't leave here going, oh, don't judge each other completely. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a standard to live by. There's non-negotiables. Yes. And if you say something that you're going to stick with, then it's important for us to keep each other accountable. But there's a lot of gray area. And the gray area wasn't made for us to have fun. It's not... That's not the point. The point is the gray area 
was an opportunity, it's an opportunity for us to learn how to honor our God and how to thank our God. Now, why do I say those two things again and again and again? Because it's a callback. Do you remember when we started this series? Romans chapter 1. That's a good place to start. Romans chapter 1. It starts out in there talking about the reason why God gave people over to a debased mind, to their degraded passions, to, the, to their dishonored bodies. Why did God give them over to that? Because even though they knew God, check it out, is it verse 18 of chapter 1? Even though they knew God, they did not honor God, and they did not thank God. And Paul brings it back, and he says, as you live your life, you better check yourself in anything and everything you do, especially in that gray area. Are your motivations to honor your God and to thank your God? Thank you, God, that I get to live in this freedom because what Jesus paid for me, setting me, setting me free, are you doing it because you're thanking him? Or are you doing it just because... You understand what I'm saying? Okay, that's the sermon. It's over. Communion. When I was a kid, we celebrated Thanksgiving. Did you celebrate Thanksgiving? You're very cultured. We would get together with family and then extended friends and their extended friends that you never see again, but you know, you're like, wow, I know so many people. You go to these events and then your grandfather leads a song and you always sing at Thanksgiving before you eat the meal, correct? Some of you just pray, but you've been doing it wrong this whole time. I'm really questioning if you're even going to heaven. It's just, just so you know. My grandfather would always lead us in a song, and it went, I'm not going to sing it, but for our blessings, dear Lord, we bow in thanks to thee. Thank you for giving us daily bread. Thank you for blessings around us bread. For all our blessings, dear Lord, we bow in thanks to thee. Now, if you were there with this guy named Larry, you didn't just sing, but you took your index finger and you stuck it up in the air. Why? Because you recognize where you're giving thanks. Now, it's all fine and dandy when you're doing that at your own house. But really, Grandpa, Chinese restaurant, really, we're singing before the meal? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's, thanks, Grandpa. Like, there's time and place. When we come around the table, I want us, this morning at least, okay, to have a certain posture. Now, when I was a kid, I thought if you don't fold your hands and you don't close your eyes, you're going to hell. I've learned since then. The reason why my mama told me to put my hands like this and to close my eyes is because she didn't want me reaching for the dinner roll as everyone else. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, there's a focus. Okay, same thing with all this. As we take communion, though, something that Jesus instituted for us as a reminder, it, it, takes, me, it takes me back to when Grandpa stuck his finger up and gave us a reminder of who we're thanking for the spread around the table. And so as we have this spread around the table, this cup that represents the new covenant of grace, and inside the cup there is this juice that represents his blood, and then there's a piece of crumb, and the crumb represents his body that was brutally beaten for my reasons. I think of um, what we do in our culture. Sometimes we're at a wedding, and we raise a glass. And the person raises a glass and says, probably doesn't say hearie, hearie, but 
they say, I want to make a toast. And as they're making a toast, they say something. And if you agree with that afterward, you probably click glasses, and then you, you take a drink. Why do you take a drink? Because you're saying yes to whatever that person said. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know a little bit about your culture? The same thing is what we're doing right here. Now, so much of communion is between you and your Lord. Just like the gray area. The Lordship, you're his servant. You're the house servant. You, you're, you're in tune with him. And as you grow, he, he's the one who upholds you and he brings you into it. And so there's, in communion time, there is you and him. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, as you come together, as you come together, you take this in remembrance of me, Jesus. Quote, it's corporate. But for some reason, in our culture, instead of raising a glass during this time, you know what we do? We bow our heads. Why? Because we realize the position. We realize the position that it's not anything that I've done that's led me to being able to live in this freedom. But it's everything of the non-negotiables that I believe. That Jesus is the one who's the only one who could save mankind. That Jesus is the only one who could deal with my past, my present, and my future. And because of that, I honor my God here this morning in my posture. Now, if I don't bow my head, am I sinning? It's not the point. The point is, in everything that I do, even when it comes to taking communion, like we're going to do in 10 seconds, I do it to thank my God for what he's done. And I take a posture to honor my God. Would you pray with me? Our Father, Lord, thank you that you, you're the one who sets the order of the house, that you're the Lord and I'm not. Help me to remember that one day you will judge even though I know that I'm yours and I believe that that I am going to be judged how I conduct myself. So, Lord, help every motivation that I have. I don't know. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And if there be any grievous way within me, Lord, uh, cut that out, would you please? Thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he's not just our Savior, but that he's our Lord. So as we bow our heads, help us to remember. And with gratitude from our hearts, in how we live our lives, help us to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us by dying on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We pray you are encouraged and blessed. And until next time, grace and peace to you.